Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. 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 Never. 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 Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to episode 132 of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. It's a pleasure to welcome you aboard. My name is Captain Eric. And uh, we're not starting our sale to Season 4 this week. That is officially starting next week. And I am excited to tell you that the wait is well worth it. I have more than a few surprises for you. And it's not only just going to be for the premiere of Season 4, but some of the surprises I have will fundamentally change the show for its entirety, for the future. And I think they're going to be well worth changes that will be welcome to both myself and for you listeners. So if you're a longtime listener of the show and you're a fan, I implore you, be on the lookout for next week's episode drop, the season four premiere on Fear of a Krabby Patty. What a great episode to start out with. Uh, but as far as this week is concerned, I definitely didn't want to leave leave you high and dry with no episode or, or anything to cover. But as I mentioned for a few weeks, I uh, I had the possibility of not only maybe taking a week off of, of watching and or playing something Spongebob related, but I wanted to take a moment to reflect not only on the show, uh, but on Spongebob Squarepants at this point in the show's history, which to some fans is known as the golden era of Spongebob, to others is known as, as the Hillenburg era due to his overall influence during these first three seasons and the first movie. Um... For however you want to label these first three seasons and this first movie, it's a special time for the show. It was a special time to grow up in. And even if you are a new fan, just growing up now, those are wonderful episodes to watch. There's there's a gold mine to find of moments in SpongeBob history that are still being pulled from in various ways 20 years later. Think about it this way. Any good structure has to have the best foundation to stand upon. Any good piece of art needs a canvas to lay upon. And even if somebody is making SpongeBob episodes 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, there is going to be good reason to go back to these original episodes to look through them because there's something that makes SpongeBob work that can be found in these first three seasons that can still work decades from now, a century from now, there's there's those really easy moments that you just, you can't replicate. It's, it's kind of like how the Three Stooges and Mr. Bean are just timeless entities. Same thing with Pee Wee Herman. There's, there's something found of that within the SpongeBob world, and as long as you can keep that essence going, then you can continually tell stories in this world and entertain future generations, but... It's always going to be built off of the foundation that was laid out here in these first three seasons. So before we move on to season four and beyond, I'd like to take a moment to shine a light on those who worked on the crew for SpongeBob SquarePants, who primarily left a chunk of their work on these first three seasons and didn't necessarily come back for any future uh, future projects with SpongeBob. But I want to just give a big shout out to a few names in the sound department. Timothy Garrity 
who was a re-recording mixer, uh, Diane Greco and Richard Partlow, who were Foley artists. Uh, Richard, by the way, seems to be a Foley legend. If you just take a look at this man's IMDb, he has been a Foley artist for such a multitude of projects. It is incredible. I, I could list some here, but um, I'd rather you look it up yourself. Uh, but yeah, he, he has uh, plenty of work here on SpongeBob SquarePants. Names that worked in the art department. Andrew Brando as a digital background supervisor. Stephen Christian as a digital background artist. Stephen Kellums as a digital background artist and background scanning. Uh, names in the production department. Brian A. Miller and Loli Aries, executives in charge of production. Both 23 and 35 episodes, respectively. Robert Rosen, who is an assistant storyboard artist. Jason Friedman, who is a dialogue editor. Meg Hanna, who is a key color assistant. And Cynthia Tello, who is an artist intern. Out of these names, by the way, Diane Timothy, Stephen Christian, Brian A. Miller, Jason Friedman, and Cynthia Tello are all who had worked on Help Wanted, the original pilot for SpongeBob SquarePants, which is just massive. It's just massive. Thank you to each and every one of you who has worked on the show by any means. If I didn't list your name, and trust me, it takes a ton to make an animated program, let alone in 2022. In in the mid-90s, the process was a completely different process, and and there's just no way to cover every single name here, but I definitely wanted to highlight those who seemed to have left a massive imprint on the SpongeBob SquarePants brand during this time. But to shine an even bigger light on those who worked on SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, names including Steve Fonte, who was a writer and storyboard director for four episodes of SpongeBob's first season, who would then go on to become a storyboard artist for movies like Osmosis Jones Eight Crazy Nights, Shrek 2, The Incredibles, Over the Hedge, and then has an impressive amount of work under under his belt for the uh, Seth MacFarlane world of shows, Family Guy, American Dad, and then even a storyboard artist for Green Eggs and Ham, which from what I've seen is an absolutely incredible show, and I and I keep hearing wonderful things from people, so so incredible work done by Steve there. Uh, but left an imprint on SpongeBob SquarePants. Another name, Enio Torrison, who was a storyboard director on eight episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants, a storyboard artist for four, and a prop designer for one, with his first credit under SpongeBob being as a storyboard director for one of my favorite episodes, Bubble Stand. An episode that I point to is one of the perfect blueprints for a SpongeBob episode, a simple SpongeBob episode that doesn't need to leave the confines of Conch Street. And then we move on to writers such as Peter Burns, who helped write episodes of SpongeBob like Tea at the Tree Dome and Pizza Delivery, absolute classics in the pantheon of the SquarePants world, but also had work done with Rugrats and Hey Arnold as well. So thank you, Peter. Thank you, Enio. And on to our next name, which I honestly had to do a double take on for a second before I, I went forward because seemingly TikTok influencer Dan Pavenmeyer was once 
an employer of SpongeBob SquarePants of sorts. Could you believe this? Before he was creating TikToks, can you believe Dan Pavemeyer was once working for SpongeBob SquarePants as a storyboard director and artist? Huh, could you believe it? Oh, for real? Uh, actually, Dan's work in animation far, far goes beyond SpongeBob SquarePants, and he has been working on a multitude of shows. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. But I'm talking about shows like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'm talking about the original run of the Turtles, or at least uh, 59 episodes of the show. The Ren and Stimpy Show, Earthworm Jim, Rocco's Modern Life, Hey Arnold, Cat Dog, Family Guy, SpongeBob SquarePants, and then of course would go on to create probably the most popular cartoon in the history of the Disney Channel with Phineas and Ferb alongside his friend, Jeff Swampy Marsh. Dan had an impressive amount of work done with SpongeBob SquarePants, and this is a uh, a bit in the the cheating category, as he did return as a storyboard artist for SpongeBob in 2020. But um, for most of his work that he did with SpongeBob, it was on these first three seasons. Now, the next name on our list may be known for voicing a character who has a small stature, but the work that the man behind that voice has been producing is nothing, nothing close to small. I'm talking about Walt Dorn, who is not only a writer for 16 episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants, a storyboard director for eight, but was also the voice of Rumpelstiltskin for the film Shrek Forever After. Now, Walt was the head of story for Shrek Forever After and was not anywhere near going to be the official voice for the character. But while they were creating the movie, and and usually during this process of pre-production, you have somebody else just voicing dialogue. You, you don't have any of the professional actors at this point come in and, and play the characters. And it was during this process that they were just coming up with a voice for Rumpelstiltskin, what he could sound like. And Walt did such a good job that he ended up just securing the role for himself. He officially became Rumpelstiltskin for the movie, and I gotta say, he's one of my favorite parts of that movie, so job well done. This is a perfect example where uh, a, a voice doesn't necessarily need to come from a celebrity to be absolutely perfect for the character. And, and I think once the director had that voice, he probably couldn't get it out of his head and knew... Well, why am I going to have somebody come in and try to replicate what Walt can just do on his own? So, uh, congratulations, Walt. Thank you for your work. Last but not least in this category for those who have left the majority of their work here on SpongeBob in these first three seasons, talking about the one, the only, Jay Lender, probably my favorite writer for SpongeBob SquarePants, um... Most of my favorite episodes are under this man's belt. And I'm talking episodes that that mean a lot to me. Episodes like The Paper, uh, but also just having full directing and writing credits for classic episodes like Pickles, I'm Your Biggest Fanatic, The Fry Cook Games, Just One Bite, The Camping Episode, Need I Say More. And Jay has gone on to also direct 41 episodes of Phineas and Ferb, alongside co-writing the graphic novel Duster, which I am still currently reading, and it is quite a ride. I'll give you my full opinion once I'm finished up with it. 
and I'll also have a link in the description for uh, for that that graphic novel. Highly recommended from the captain thus far. Uh, but but Jay, Dan, Walt, Peter, Enio, Steve, thank you so much for your contributions to the world of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, a few other names I want to quickly mention here. Three names who, although they have gone on to still write and and work for SpongeBob in small capacities, uh, gave most of their work here in these first three seasons. The first of which is Mark O'Hare, who was a writer for over 35 episodes of these early seasons of SpongeBob SquarePants. Meriwether Williams, who we've mentioned here a few times throughout the first three seasons on the show as a writer, who would still go on to write a small handful of episodes of SpongeBob, but the bulk of their work was done here in these first three seasons. And of course, Derek Dryman, a name that we've mentioned on almost every episode of this show, the majority of his work as a writer was done in these first three seasons before the baton was passed on to an entirely new crop of, of writers, animators. And of course, there were still familiar faces working on the show behind the scenes, but you can clearly tell that after that third season, a lot of these names kind of passed off a bulk of SpongeBob SquarePants onto a new crop of talent. And that's that's for the good. That's for the good. It's going to take new talent to continually keep this franchise going. And honestly, I I respect those who feel like they've exhausted maybe all of the story options in their arsenal before passing it along. Not everybody has to have 100 plus ideas in their head, and it's okay to be able to say, I, I think I've, I've done enough. I'd like to move on, and that's not a statement on anybody, and unfortunately, I have uh, no insider information as far as why anybody would have uh, stepped away, but just saying, in the, in the realm of keeping things fresh, you're always going to need new faces, new voices to keep things going, uh, but one name I haven't mentioned yet of someone who left a primary amount of their work here in these first three seasons is that of series creator Steven Hillenburg. Now, Steven, at the time, after the third season, or I'm guessing at some point during the third season, felt that he had reached what he could contribute to this world, and I'm sure if he got to choose the destiny of SpongeBob SquarePants, probably would have ended it after the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. I'm sure if Steven had the right to pick the ultimate fate of SpongeBob, I think he would have wanted things to kind of end right there and for the show to continue on in reruns for years to come. Now, the network wanted to continue SpongeBob SquarePants. It was a massive hit, and beyond being a ratings hit for the network, there's no denying that one of the main reasons to continue SpongeBob SquarePants as a show was the massive merchandise mover that was SpongeBob SquarePants. There was way too many contracts Way too many companies benefiting off of this sponge to just let him fade out after that first movie. But Steven felt that it was his time to move on and gave the reins off to other creators. And there are some out there who feel like at this point in the timeline, he just walked off into the sunset, never to be seen from again up until the second movie came around. But from those who worked on the show, although Steven Hillenburg wasn't at the offices day-to-day working on the show, 
he was still a part of the show in some way, shape, or form, was still aware of stories being made, was still aware of of decisions that the characters were going through, and although he wasn't there to give his active influence, I'm sure if there was something he was really against, he would have voiced his concerns. Now, after a few years of stepping away from SpongeBob SquarePants, Hillenburg would eventually return to the series, firstly by helping out with the second theatrical SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Sponge Out of Water, and then would return to the show, although it was nowhere near the same level of attachment he had from these original first three seasons, it was still nice to hear that he was going to be a bit more hands-on than he had been in previous years, and that he would be up until the day of his unfortunate passing. Um, now, history continually changes. We have every right to change how our story is told or what the next chapter can be for us. And on one hand, in one moment in his life, Stephen may have decided that this was for him an end for SpongeBob and this is how the series should end, quote-unquote. But he eventually came back to the show and had a place to return to, a home for him to feel comfortable in and for him to still exercise some level of creativity before his untimely passing, I find comfort in that. That's why I don't mind, you know, when when shows just go on, whereas some people feel like they're offended or, or shocked. There's some level of comfort in, in so many ways for these shows still being on, not only for yourself, but think about it for those still working on them having that kind of job security, but also knowing that you're still bringing smiles to faces all around the world 20 years later. It's It's got to be a great feeling uh, with this character and this franchise. Uh, so thank you again to each and every one of you who have worked on the show. I, uh, I don't have enough time here to thank you enough, and literally I could just sit here and read IMDB all night, but I, I don't think anybody really wants to to listen to that. As far as this show is concerned and, and my reflection, uh, it was more than three years ago that I posted my first episode in uh, March of 2019, and uh, and boy, that was a rough first year. It was, I think, like four months until episode one dropped, and then it was even uh, three to four months longer until episode two, and I was such a perfectionist at the time that it literally took that long in between episodes because I, I was so self-correcting of myself. I was so nervous about what I was putting out. I am such a fan of this show. I'm such a fan of, of what Nickelodeon has produced in the past and, and all of the creator-driven elements of the network. I'm such a fan of that stuff, and it means the world to me. So um, I, I take pride in what I make. As a creator, I take pride in this podcast. Uh, so with all of that in mind, going on to the future of of this show and, and looking at the past, let me just say that this show has been a backbone for me over the last few years. There has not been some easy weeks in the last few years, and I'm not even talking about anything with the P word. Uh, anything with the C word, um, 
nothing nothing having to do with anything viral certainly uh certainly nothing to do with that but but there has been some other issues that have happened outside of of anything of that sort that has affected my life in extraordinary ways and recording this show for as many people out there who care to listen to it has been extremely helpful for me over the last three years. And a part of that has been those of you who have checked out this show. Uh, those numbers, when they come in for both the audio podcast, when you see numbers for a video on YouTube and you see comments, that engagement out there is absolutely everything. It's everything to me. Um, seeing the the continual numbers. Every time I post an episode after 24 hours, seeing the amount of people who check it out and just knowing, you know, like, well, maybe some of those are, are accidental, but a decent amount of them are regulars. And that just, it's always exciting. So for those of you who have been there from the beginning, for those of you who have just checked this out brand new this week, and for those of you who are listening to this episode years from now, going through this back catalog, thank you. From literal bottom of my heart, thank you. You guys are everything to me. Uh, you're a part of the Ready Crew. And as always, it doesn't cost a dime to be a part of the Ready Crew. All I ask for is your attention in return. Next week is going to be the premiere of Season 4 of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. A whole new look, a whole new style, a whole new feature... And I am beyond excited for you guys to check this out. Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And with that, that's our time together aboard. Thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew. You can reach Captain Eric at spongepodpodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast, on Instagram at SpongeBobPodcast, or on Twitch at the Captain Eric, or you can also follow at Spongebob Podcast. Please check out my other podcast, This Week in Nickelodeon History, dropping every Sunday on most conceivable podcasting platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, where you can also hit that bell for notifications so you can know anytime the Captain puts something out. You can also purchase new and updated merch at the Redbubble link, either in the podcast description or in the link from any of my socials. Anything that comes in through my projects, go directly back into my projects, and it's always appreciated. As always, everyone, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast.